Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm Bill Cooper, your host. Hey, it's been cold outside. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, you're not in the Ozarks, but stick around. One thing we say about Missouri, if you don't like the weather, it'll change in a little while. But I am delighted today. I've, I have finally run a guy down that uh, he's just hard to catch, busy guy. But I'm delighted to have on a program today Mr. Ryan Walker from down at Billings, Missouri. And he, he touts himself as a fishing guide and a line cook at Ozark Smallmouth Fly Company. Ryan, welcome to the show, man. Well, thanks, Bill. Good to good to finally meet up with you and talk talk to you. I've uh, I've I've known about you for a long time, and uh, I feel privileged that uh, you've got me on your show. Thank you. Well, more than welcome. The honor's all mine. I've known about you for a long time as well, and uh, I, I follow you all the time. I I love your social media posts, and of course. You're, you're always talking about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, and that's literally what has brought us together, and that's fishing, in particular smallmouth fishing. And, man, you make my mouth water. You're, you're from down in southwest Missouri, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I live uh, in outside of Billings, Missouri, about 30 minutes west of Springfield. Okay. All right. That, that's that been a problem. See, uh, I'm over in the Merrimack Valley region, and I've got – Gosh, within an hour of my home, probably seven streams I can run to. I'm, I'm a little bit spoiled, and I've made a move recently. I, I'm within four or five minutes of the Merrimack River. You know, I was a long ways away. I was like 15 minutes away, so I moved 10 minutes closer <laughs> to, yeah, the, to well, the river. <laughs> we're, we're all in God's country in the Ozarks, Bill, so it's, uh, it's, it's good to be on here and good to be talking fishing with you. Yeah, you bet. Boy, I, I hate it. You know, sometimes when I get a guy like you on the show, I, I know we could talk fishing all day long, but we're kind of restricted to time. we got about 45 minutes or so, but, hey, we can cover a lot of ground in 45 minutes. And, uh, you know, it don't all have to be truthful either. <laughs> Not, uh, <laughs> Not a fisherman. We wouldn't. We wouldn't stretch the truth a little bit. Maybe. Oh, I, I've been accused of that a time or two, but uh, I take the fish. We all have. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'll tell you what. I w- I wouldn't trust a fisherman if I thought he told the truth all the time about fishing. You know. I don't know that you could. I don't know that you should either. You're right. <laughs> well, Ryan, I, I always have to ask guides. I just you know I put you guys on a pedestal because I really admire what you guys do I, I nobody in their right mind would want to be a fishing guy <laughs> well and, and that's that's a good and a bad thing right bill i mean it's uh there, there's a shortage of really good guides but um if there were too many of us it, it might be might not be as good either so oh that's absolutely uh, true but see my theory is 
Now, you know yourself, uh, you look old enough that you, you've had a lot of life experiences. Uh, a lot of people start out wanting to be fishing or hunting guides or whatever, but I don't know if they don't do their homework or don't think through the process or what. But that can be a brutal, brutal job. And my philosophy or what I've learned over seven decades of fishing is that those guys that jump in and want to be guides it's like everything else you know the cream kind of rises to the top so the guys that have been in the business for any number of years at all they are generally the best guides uh they got the best personalities lord knows you've got to have a great personality to survive in that business because you're dealing with the public so i think uh you know You've been in the business, obviously, and been a fisherman for uh, a long, long time. So, man, you've taken your lumps and bumps and your bruises, and you're still here. Yeah, I think uh, I think to your point, Bill, I think the biggest mistake anybody makes when they decide they want to be a fishing guide is that they're going to get to fish all the time. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, when I started out guiding in the, in the mid to late 90s, um, that was kind of my mistake too. And I had to adjust my philosophy real quick because if you go, I think personally, and again, this is just my opinion, but I think if you're going to be a good guide, it's all about teaching. It's all about getting a person that you've never met into your boat and being able to relate with them and, you know, extract, give them the knowledge that you've learned with all the time on the water. And you can't do that very effectively in my opinion with a fishing rod in your hand i think you uh you demonstrate and uh you you give example and then you've got to be able to talk them through the rest of it so advice for you young guides out there if you want to be a fishing guide don't think you're going to fish 200 days a year because (laughs) you're (laughs) you're not (laughs) absolutely i think you hit the nail right on the head too and of course i've been in the outdoor communications business for gosh 52 years and i've i've dealt with a lot of guides and seen a uh, a lot of excellent guides and, and a handful of really poor ones you know but uh there's just so many variables in that job description you know that uh man it takes a very special person to become a fishing guide and to survive uh, the business uh because as you say sometimes there seems to be ups and downs you know there seems to be a big influx of people wanting to be guides i don't know what if i don't know if that's a phase of the moon or what and then you start seeing them sloughing off the sides you know they just can't uh stick with it but yeah i think the biggest mistake i've seen them make is yeah i want to be a guide because man that'll just let me be out there all the time and i'll be able to fish all the time but you mentioned that education and to me uh, and this has really soaked into my skull, I think, in the last decade or so. And I think it's because I'm getting older, you know, and I, I'm getting a little more philosophical or something. But I brag on good guides all the time and tell them that uh, whether they understand it or not, but you obviously do. And that may have something to do with your age, too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I just turned 29. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> you must be a cousin to jack benny but he he was thir- <laughs> he was 39 all the time i think for like 40 39 years. all the time yep no i'm 
But I've bragged on so many uh, guides and told them, you know, I know you enjoy what you do. You want to be out here in the outdoors and you love dealing with people. But what you're doing is not only fun for you and fun for your your customers, but it's very, very important, particularly in uh, today's society here in the United States of America with, uh, you know, there had been a decline in people participating in the outdoors uh you know like only four or five percent americans hunt anymore and i think it's 16 to 20 percent of people that fish now covid gave us a big shot in the arm everybody wanted to be in the outdoors but again i want to say to you personally you know a great job and what you do is important to the future of the outdoors uh, in the United States of America. So, again, again, thanks for that. And I think you were going to tell me how old you actually are. Yeah, I'm I'm 53. I'll be 54 in May. Um, So, yeah, I I got my start start guiding on Taney Como back in the mid to late 90s. Like I said, all I really wanted to do was fish all the time and not have a (laughs) – not have a real job or any responsibilities, but oh my. <laughs> um, that sort of, you know, I had to, I had to adjust that. Of course I was young at, you know, 96, sure. I'd have been 27 years old. Oh, wow. You're still just a pup. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, some days I feel like the old dog, but, <laughs> but uh, you know how that goes. Uh, uh, um, do I? I'm 73, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm having a lot more old dog days. <laughs> well, well, this is, I just think, I don't know, my my philosophy on this whole thing, Bill, is that, that, you know, I'm connected as much to that fish without a fishing rod in my hand as my client is because I feel like when you do things right and you put that customer on a fish or either the first fish or fish of a lifetime or whatever it is, um, you've, you've changed somebody right there and then. Um, you know, whether it's teaching them a new technique or, or putting them on the first fish on a fly rod or whatever, um, you've, you've enhanced someone's life. And, uh, that's really my goal for every trip that I have. And I, I, every morning that I get up to go out and do what I do, whether it's going to be 12 degrees or 90, 98 degrees, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that I get the opportunity to, educate and to tell people you know try to get people to see what i see you know with my eyes through theirs so it's all about how you connect and and how you can how you can just get people to see the things that you see on a daily basis and you've only got eight hours to do it yeah yeah take uh hey uh, once again it takes a very special person to do that but uh Ryan, I've been sitting here as we're talking, thumbing through your uh, Facebook page, and that's just your personal page here, Ryan Walker, uh, fishing guide, guideline cook, and all that, all that good stuff. But I've noticed, and I've noticed this over the social media posts that I've followed for X number of years and all the big smallmouth that you guys catch, uh, all the photographs you have posted, I don't think I've ever seen anybody frowning. <laughs> well, <laughs> that says a those lot. Are the, <laughs> those are the pictures we don't take, <laughs> or that don't make it. Maybe they'll make a, maybe they'll make a blooper reel one day. But um, 
I don't know. You know, Bill, I can't say I've never had bad trips because that would be that would be a lot. Oh, yeah, I mean, fishing is fishing, fish. you know. Yeah, yeah. Lot, we know there's lots of things that you get, uh, you just cannot control. And, and that's one of the big fears. I've been offered jobs to guide fishing and hunting both, and I've never had much of a desire to, to be a guide because I've been on enough, enough of guide trips. I've seen those individuals that want to guide the guides, you know, and can make a guide's life pretty miserable uh i'm you know i'm kind of tempted to push those kind of people out of the boat <laughs> <laughs> well your insurance rates go up with that oh I, well see i never thought about that that <laughs> i've never been a guide so i i don't think exactly like you guys do but yeah man you know you really do improve the quality of people's lives and and i've seen you know the best clients in the world too i've been in because quite often I'll hop in a boat with a guide, and I always tell them, you know, if there's room and you've got a client that calls in the meantime and wants to go along, I'm not opposed to a client being in the boat. And I, I felt so sorry for guides at times when one of those bummer days come along, and you know, you couldn't catch fish with dynamite, I don't think. And uh, but I've seen people who are so gracious, you know, they realize, and usually they are experienced fishermen with, the, you know, some fishing time under their belt, and they know those days happen, even to the best guides in the world. And I love those people because they're still gracious, they're kind to the guide, they still tip them because that guy's still out there, you know, four, six, eight hours a day doing his thing, trying to do it as best as he can for that client. And hey. That kind of person will comment about, you know, the things he sees while he's floating down the river, the deer wading across the river or the eagle flying over or whatever. And it can still make for a very good day. And I encourage people, don't crucify that guide, you know, just because the fishing is absolutely horrible on a given day. Now, on the flip side of that coin, I've seen what I thought was some pretty bad days, and guides just break their backs, you know, to try to turn a bad day into a good day, and I've seen that happen in the last minute or two on a, on a fishing trip, and I'm sure you have too. <laughs> now, there's a there's a there's a there's a saying that that a lot of us kind of live by, and it's, it's if anything's good going to happen, I'd rather it happen at the end than the beginning. Um, because yeah. uh, the end of the trip is generally what somebody remembers. But, you know, if we all had uh, a magic wand, it would be consistent throughout the day and fish all day long and good fish all day long and spotted with a couple of kickers here now and then. And then, you know, at the end of the day, the magic 20-incher, right, right yeah. before the trip is over. I, that, that I see on the, the cake. <laughs> yeah, that improves the, the bottom line to the to the guide business in the form of tips, et cetera, and so on. But it's just, it's just not realistic. Um, I think this whole thing is about managing expectations. Um, Absolutely. I start, yeah, yeah, I start well every trip with a, you know, with a, with a, I never, I never overpromise on a trip or I try not to. Maybe sometimes I do, especially for, you know, mid May and the water's right and the fish right. are pre spawn and everything's going the way it should be and all the conditions line up right. I still try not to you know, I remember I I met a client late last fall or late this past fall and we'd had a bunch of rain and he'd never caught a smallmouth on a fly rod before and it was he and his wife and we met at the boat ramp and I said, Look this isn't going to be the day you thought it was going to be. It's going to be tough. Right. And, uh, 
right then and there, we kind of set the tone for the day. I said, we're going to find them. It's going to be a lot harder than we thought it was going to be because we've got an extra 18 inches of water. It's not green anymore. It's kind of brown. Yep. Um, but we ended up putting a personal best and a first fly rod fish in the boat that day, and he's already booked two more trips with me. So wow. I think uh, I think just managing – Managing someone's expectations. Um, so I guide, I guide in about a two-hour radius of where I live. I don't get over near you. About as far north as I go is the Gasconade, and yeah. I go south to the Kings. Um, but, you know, we don't – we may not we, – we've got a – we're – I'm in a – just like you are, Bill. I'm in a target-rich environment here. I can go half an hour in just about any direction and be on a – pretty world-class smallmouth stream um so we've always got lots of options but you still have to you know people see pictures online and that's what gets them to book and <laughs> you know or they hear from a friend and but mileage may vary and yeah. and i try to try to bring that in i go through a little spiel every trip that i go on here's what to expect for today this is what the fish have been doing this is what we're going to try to accomplish today are there any goals and i ask them are there any goals that you want to have we get those through, we talk those through, and, and I try to just say, well, we will do our best to manage to those expectations. These are fish. They're going to do what they want to do. We can hedge our bets a little bit, but at the end of the day, are we really in control? We can control the scenario as a guide. I can put them exactly where they've been for a week. I can put them on the same patterns on the flies that they've been eating for two or three days. In the end of the day, it's up to that fish and that fisherman to seal the deal. And, uh, you know, those are some variables that just sometimes you can't control, but you know, no matter what happens, you keep your chin up, you run through, you keep it light. You remind them, look, this is just fishing, man. It's not life (laughs) or death. And, uh, you know, we're not going to solve any world problems. We're not going to cure any diseases, but we could, you know, we might be able to take your mind off some of them for a while. And, Let's uh, let's just go have fun. And uh, so far, it uh, it's worked out pretty good for me. I haven't. <laughs> well, don't like think I say, I've you, had anybody you, too disappointed. Right. Uh, you've been in business for a while, so I, I think you you keep improving on on your game. And I think that's the goal of all the great guides out there. They keep trying to improve on something that uh, they've worked at for decades. Hey, Ryan, we need to take just a short break here, but folks, don't go away. I've got Ryan Walker on a program with me. If you haven't followed this guy, you need to start, because if you are uh, like to fish the Ozark streams, uh, particularly for smallmouth bath, here's your man. We'll be right back. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun, since 1979, they offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on a beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip, whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else. Chances are they've got it. 
and their campground has RV sites and premises sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But who's all valley? There's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Boat Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Boat Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Tanicomo Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Boat Fishing at 573 573- 263-8016. Again, that's 573-263-8016. Be sure and shoot straight. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. If you listened to that first segment, you'll probably want to go back and listen to it again because there's some great information in that uh, segment. And Ryan Walker He's a great, great guy, a great fisherman, and and Ryan, I can't help sometimes being envious of you guys because I know you don't know streams enough. Uh, you know what uh, smallmouth are doing about any time of year, and I'm sure you change your tactics, probably change the places you go, and uh, of course, I know you guys. Uh, you don't ask for X marks the spot, and one of the, <laughs> one of the rudest things a client can do, and fishermen listen to this i actually had this happen to a guide friend on a lake uh, a year or two ago uh he's been there for a long time i'm not gonna tell the name of the guide or the lake either one but uh he has you know probably thousands of waypoints in his electronics and this guy's a crappie fishing guide and i've never seen anybody catch crappie like he does consistently putting clients on crappie any time of the year and of course sometimes they're a little slower than others but he had a new client in the boat and uh, he went to a first spot they're catching fish and he noticed the guy fiddling with his phone a little bit he goes to second third fourth and fifth spot guy's picking up his phone every time what the guy was doing was taking the gps coordinates and marking the spots for the the guide had taken him to well they had a serious conversation you know uh yeah i bet they did <laughs> yeah that's 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 not kosher uh, you don't do that to a guide because he makes his living doing that he's got thousands of dollars wrapped up in equipment in this case electronics plus his his knowledge and you know the guy told him hey you can stop that now or i'll take you back to the dock you know fishing trip will be over now that as a client may think that's rude but it's not you know and he went on to explain to the client hey if you want to c- come back to these spots and, and fish them you know on your own find them and mark your electronics and all well uh, uh, great deal but uh, i'm not out here to give you every location and i've worked years to find and in some cases built those uh locations you know with brush piles or whatever so personal ethics go a long ways even in how you treat your your guide well ryan i want to you know bob we've been looking at some horrible cold weather here we're into the fall and and certainly winter uh fishing patterns now uh what are you 
how you're approaching your trips now with all this weather. And of course, it's going to warm up some later in the week here. Yeah, well, warm up doesn't necessarily translate over into river warm up. Um, <laughs> right now, on one of the big tributaries of Table Rock that we fish, it's it's frozen bank to bank from about a mile up from the lake all the way to the lake. So, you know, that water temperature, even as that ice melts, is going to going to drop still just a little bit more before it warms up. So, we do. Uh, so this time of year, I do a couple of different things on smallmouth trips. Um, first off. We manage expectation. <laughs> it's winter. Water temperatures in the forties or high thirties. Um, so we're we're looking mostly this time this time of year for smallmouth. We're looking for winter overholes, right? We're looking for right. those deep spots in the river that have all the things a fish needs to survive over the winter. And uh, usually, when you find one or two fish, you you found quite a few. They may be schooled up by year class. They may you know they may they may not. It depends, but. Um, you know, we'll, and the other thing that we do is we, we run some walleye trips this, this time of year too, just a little bit more predictable fishing and and a little bit more cold water fish. But for smallmouth right now, what we're doing is we're looking, especially on any of the rivers that, that I fish that are tributaries of a bigger lake, either a beaver lake or table rock or bull shoals. Um, a lot of those fish mid river from mid river down have moved back migrated down toward the lake and they're either you know in the lake or they're at the lower end of the river where they've got a lot more deeper slower moving water and uh, have got places to to bunker up so to speak for the winter and like i said we proved this last week um we were way down and i don't mind naming some of the names of the places i fish we were way down on the lower james probably i don't know uh, half a mile above where it actually becomes lake from bridgeport we uh we found uh we found a pot of smallmouth and for an hour and a half it was on it was 25 30 fish oh man and uh you know obviously not reaching them with a fly at that at this time of year we're doing right. it eventually because um, these fish were in 18 to 20 feet of water and sitting right on the bottom but wow. they were doing what river fish should have been doing for this time of year they were they were on the rocky side of the bank sitting near you know, near cover, hiding behind rocks, hunkered right down on the bottom, and, and uh, you pretty much had to get it in their face and just keep it there for a little while. So drop shotting was working really well. Um, snap jigging was working really well. And, and later in the day, as the sun got up and we gained a couple of degrees of water temperature, the jerkbait bite actually got pretty good. So, Oh, yeah, um, jerkbait bite. I, I, I love that for people <laughs> – and I know there's some really diehard fly fishermen would never think about picking up a spinning rod or a bait caster, you know. But all I can say is they're 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 missing out. And a lot of people don't fish in the wintertime. And I don't understand that because I have some of the best fishing trips of my life in the uh, wintertime. And even using a, a fly rod, I'm close to the Merrimack River, you know. And one of the best trips I ever had was a few years back and. uh Man, just cold, nasty, about 15 degrees, sleet and spit and snow, dark, cloudy day. And, of course, I was after brown trout. You know how those those fish are. You know, they like those yeah. kind of days, man. And I was catching nice brown trout out in the riffles and 18 inches of water, you know, on on that particular day. And I'm not even going to tell you how many fish I caught because it, it would cause a pandemic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think but, if, you know. But, 
<laughs> but I you can't you fish this. all year if you don't yeah. fish in the winter, right? Uh, yeah, that's right, man. But I had that fabulous day, the best day of my life, and I usually, a lot of times I carry video cameras and tripods and stuff with me. Well, I just wanted to fish that day, and uh, I didn't have a camera at all with me. I I was rather upset with myself, so I'm going to cure the problem. I went back the next day, but it was a real bright, sunny day. I had a big backpack, carried all this equipment, and I caught two fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that's how it goes. That is a how it goes, man. But wintertime fishing, and I encourage people – you know, so many people talk about, boy, the fishing's tough in the wintertime. And you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, those fish here, particularly those smallmouths, are going to migrate to the deeper holes. And I encourage people, hire a guide for the wintertime. Man, go experience that. You know, that's more time on the water. Uh, you get to be outdoors, and that's what a lot of us want to do. We just want to be out there, you know. And uh, you know Tommy Bench. I do. Uh, I know who he is. I've yeah. never met him. Yeah, he he's quite a smallmouth guy as as well, and I've fished with him several times on uh, on the Gasconade, and he's still now, man, you know, putting some thumpers in in the boat. and And Tommy likes to brag about helping people get their personal best smallmouth, you know. And of course, I know that doesn't happen every trip either. But uh, great time to be out there. In fact, my son and some of his young pals we're we're getting ready. We're planning a overnight floating camping trip we're waiting for the next big snow usually that happens when it's closer to 30 degrees you know and uh yeah uh, and ryan i i love that january thaw that usually comes every year but uh boy i hope we get one this year <laughs> yeah well it's looking like we're gonna have one and and you know to your point bill i i would love to do nothing but carry a carry a seven weight and a sink tip with me all year and be able to use it all year but you know it's just the, the the fact of the matter is, is this time of year for smallmouth especially they're going to be beyond beyond reach i'm not saying it can't be done with a fly rod but um it's got to be the ideal you, you've got a bite window every day in the winter i feel like and it's usually two three hours and it's usually when you get that one or two degree water temperature bump um and you know if somebody's going to pay you to fish you you need to put them or at least do your level best to put them on fish. So I still do carry conventional gear with me. And, and, uh, I'm like you, I just, you know, my, my window to fish for the rest of my life is, is, is getting lower and lower instead of growing and growing. And I just, I just want to be out there and I just want to put people on fish. So. Absolutely. And, but I'll I tell you what, if uh, you're going to use that spinning rod or bait caster this time of year, you better put some healthy line on that thing because some of the biggest fish I've caught have been in the winter time. Yeah. You slow down a bit and you're fishing deep. I, I even like those crankbaits, you know, that bump and dig on dig in the gravel on on the bottom you're fishing a bit slower uh i've caught some big fish even slow rolling the big old spinner baits you know just kind of stirring up the bottom bumping and thumping rocks and like you said you got to put it right in front of their face uh their metabolism has slowed down enough that uh, they're not gonna chase a bait you know uh very far for the most part uh, i've had those crazy days in wintertime you catch one or two on top water always have to try it you know uh, you're just at the right spot at the right time when that kind of stuff is occurring yeah i just saw a post from a friend of mine who who picked up a fish on <laughs> top water you know, before this last uh cyclone bomb quote unquote came <laughs> in and uh these these they're crazy we were you know just two weeks ago we were pitching picking them up suspended in six feet of water 
And, uh, you know, the last trip I was out last week, they were, they were down, they were 18 feet, 16, 18 feet and and doing what they should be this time of year. So that is some deep, deep water. I don't, I don't get much water right close to home that, that deep. So I can get away Uh, a lot of times still using those fly rods with the sinking tips. And, but you know, there are days I'm getting old enough. My old arms, you know, kind of get wore out pretty quick and that spinning rod's a little easier for me to use so i'm not opposed at all at uh uh floating down in a canoe or my kayak or even wade fishing the close spots you know and to, I, I love fishing stick baits there's some wonderful stick baits out there anymore and you get those down that'll go down deep and and suspend and kind of stay there you know you can kind of get them in a big smallmouth face he may sit there and look at it for a good while and, and you barely twitch that thing and he latches on to it and i love these cold weather fish because Quite often, I've thought I was stuck on a log or something, you know, and you finally put enough pressure on it, and it begins to begins to move off real slow, and then then all of a sudden your heartbeat uh, speeds up real fast. Yep, it'll do it, man. I'm a I'm a huge proponent of the jerk bait in the winter. We we sure catch a lot of walleye on them. That's for sure. Oh, um, absolutely. And you know Billy Smith as well down on Current River. I'm I, sure. I do. I've not met Billy either, but I'm uh, I'm sure I'm sure looking forward to going over and fishing with him. We he and I have had a lot of uh, a lot of very good conversations about fishing, and he seems like a genuinely genuinely nice guy. Oh, he's a super super guy, and they're catching some big walleye right now. He sent me a. A few photos this this week, and I sneak down and and go with Billy once in a while. And I tell you what, he cooks a mean gravel bar mean meal too. Last time I was with him, <laughs> I had walleye right on the gravel bar, and that's near and dear to my heart. I don't know if you know it or not. I've been referred to for uh, a couple of decades as the gravel bar gourmet. I actually wrote a column for a magazine down in St. Louis for little over a decade called the gravel bar gourmet all it's about is cooking on a gravel bar i love to do that you know and that's that's how i kind of weasel my way in with fishing guides sometimes you know i tell them they'll take me i'll cook for them on the gravel bar it's yep. worked very well for me over the years hey ryan we need to take another short break here before uh so we can hear from uh some of today's sponsors but folks uh hang on you know just like we was talking about uh earlier in the segment we like to have that big, grand fish kind of at the end of the trip. It really sticks in people's gray matters. I think we got the best segment yet coming up, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Bass fishing on the Lake of the Ozarks. Look no further than Big Ed's guide service right there on Lake of the Ozarks. Big Ed Franco has been fishing on Lake of the Ozarks most of his life and has been guiding for almost two decades. I've fished with Big Ed had a great time. He's a lot of fun and certainly knows where the bass live. You can call Big Ed to make a reservation at 573-692-6710 or go to BigEdsGuideService.com. And on the flip side of his business card is Bass and Baskets. That's bed and breakfast that he and his wife, Deb, also run right on the banks of Lake of the Ozarks. You have a beautiful place to stay, great meals, beautiful outdoor decor, and you can walk right out the front door, get on Ed's bass boat, and head out to fish. You can call for the bed and breakfast at 573-692-6737 or look them up at BassandBaskets.com. Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, where it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. 
Daryl Hyman and crew out of Cuba, Missouri, dedicated to finding you the outdoor property that you've dreamed about all your life, or if you've got one you need to sell, they'll be happy to take care of that and hook you up with a great outdoor customer as well. These guys are famous for getting, listing, and selling some of the finest properties in the Midwest. So be sure and get a hold of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, and you could find them at this, I love this, catchy phone number, one 800 by dirt living the dream outdoor properties welcome back to living the dream outdoors we've been talking one of my favorite subjects on this program and i've had mr ryan walker with me he has ozark smallmouth alliance guides and outfitters and uh ryan i tell you what man you're you know i want to say you're a lucky guy but uh You've uh, paid your dues, worked hard, and got a great business going on in the Ozarks. And I, I am a little bit envious, but not not envious enough that I'm going to take up guiding. So do, you don't have to worry about me being a competitor. <laughs> well, that's good because you'd be you'd be stiff competition, Bill. Oh, I I don't think so. It's my twelve year old grandson tells me all the time. He says, "Grandpa, you're old and slow." well there's 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 attributes to that as well though oh absolutely i'm discovering that you know i was always wound uh pretty tight and went hard in the outdoors went hard to everything i did i always said i worked hard and played hard you know well now i i still play kind of hard but i play at a slower pace (laughs) well like i tell cindy all the time i i can still do everything i did at 25 i just don't recover recover quite as quickly (laughs) i can't i can't even say that man but uh yeah that recovery time is 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 an issue at this age but you know what man you just got to mellow out and slow down and take it and there's some advantages to that and in some instances i think i catch more fish because i'm fishing slower well you see more absolutely absolutely but ryan i want to pick your brain here just a little bit uh checking out your website and all the things i see about you i see that uh you mentioned an ozark smallmouth fly company and an ozark smallmouth alliance uh are the two connected are the two separate entities maybe you can explain that to our listeners well i mean they're all all lead back to one spot um the the Ozark Smallmouth Alliance is my passion project that I started about six years ago. And it all stemmed from uh, seeing one of those first uh, growth chart uh, plaques that that MDC put up on the, on the smallmouth uh, management areas, you know, where it tells how long a smallmouth takes to get so big. And, uh, you know, I was on the creek that day and ran into a couple of people that had fish on stringers and we got to talking about, you know, what they had on their stringers and how much aggregate growth they had. And, and, uh, I just, you know, I just didn't see the kind of love for smallmouth online and, and out there in the, that I saw for trout. And, and, uh, I decided right then and there, I, I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was just going to start advocating for, you know, better management, catch and release. Um, I'm not a political person. I don't, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm not affiliated with the NBC. Missouri Smallmouth Alliance does a good job of being the advocate and the, and the liaison for NBC. I don't want to be in that position. I want to be able to say what I want to say when I want to say it without fear of retribution from anyone. So, 
the uh, the Ozark Smallmouth Alliance has been my pet project, and through that, we do um, some charitable giving, and we work a lot with watershed uh, committees. So over here would be James River Basin Partnership that we do quite a bit of work with. In fact, we just did a a uh, raffle giveaway for some fly tying materials and a base that raised some money for them. Um, we do, I do a lot of trip donations, guide trip donations through there. In fact, this year I gave, um, I think it was 24 trips donated to either veterans organizations or, uh, special Olympics type organizations or clubs. That's a lot of trips. Um, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. I mean, people think it's not that big of a deal, but I mean, 24 trips for me is, Wow. Nine thousand, almost nine thousand dollars um, wow. in revenue, and uh, it's really the way that I can give back. And and you know it has a it has a dual purpose, Bill. I give that trip away, and then I get somebody in the boat that I get to talk to about how long it takes to grow a big smallmouth and how precious they are, and how I'm a big I'm an Ozarks native. I'm a big advocate for Ozarks natives, and uh, not that I don't love trout or like trout. I mean. Wow. I've been accused otherwise, but you know that's how I got my start. Guiding is is through trout, but there are no native trout in Missouri. There are wild trout, feral wild trout, but there are no native trout in Missouri. Smallmouth are native. Smallmouth are Ozarksers. They're they're hard scrabble, hard living fish that that really go through. You know, especially in the rivers, really have. Uh, it's a miracle any of them make them to 18 inches with what they've got to go through. So, oh, it, sorry, long, sto- yeah. long story short, I get to teach people every time I put them in the boat on a smallmouth trip, one-on-one hands, I get to touch an individual person and say, look, this is why this fish is so special, and this is why we need to protect it. So that's where the alliance comes in. We, I don't know, we've, over the years, we've raised probably – if I had to guess through the three big events that we've done and other stuff, we've probably raised 10 or $15,000 for uh, veterans organizations, probably given away double that in trips and uh, done a lot of, a lot of fundraisers. We do a lot of, we do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we don't brag about. And I'll just leave that at that. Whereas there's just, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that Cindy and I do personally that we don't talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, you lead by example, I think. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where Ozark Smallmouth Alliance is for me. It's, it's my ability to give back and to teach and, uh, teach, not preach. So I congratulate you for that, man. That, that, that is a lot of effort, effort, 24 trips besides all the other things you do. But I've, I've noticed looking at, uh, your Facebook page, I think it is, if I remember the figures right, uh, you've already got close to 10,000 followers. That, that kind of tells a story in itself, but it looks to me like too, that you're attracting, uh, uh, you know, Kindred hearts, people that feel the same way that you do, and I know that uh, of all the, all those people, they have quite an impact. You know, they're on the stream, they're talking to people as well. So it's kind of like the old theory. Who was it? Uh, U.S. Forest Service, I think, that you promote the idea of each one teach one. You know, if each one of us can get just one person to kind of come on board, and uh, you know, uh, adapt that free the fighter syndrome. You know, and try to protect these these smallmouth because 
to me, and I know they are to you, they're one of the most beautiful creatures on the face of the earth, and I'm just fascinated because smallmouth live in beautiful places, man, and we have to preserve those, take care of those places as well so that they have the habitat that they need. And kudos to you for doing such a great job in providing uh, leadership that uh, you're bringing a lot of people into the fold, man. Just don't quit. <laughs> yeah, no, no no, plans on that. I, Like I said, I mean, I, and I've said this a million times, the, the Ozarks is, is one of the last truly wild places on, on our continent. And, um, I intend to keep it that way. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty staunch advocate of, you know, pack out more than you pack in. And, and uh, you know, we, 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 we are not our brother's keepers, but, you know, we can always – we can always educate, right? We can always Absolutely. tell people that, you know, maybe the, the way they've thought all their life, you know, you know, you know, growing up and, and at your age, Bill, at one point in your life, um, you were around people whose fish limit was all they could carry plus one. Oh, and I have been too. And, uh, those, those mindsets are changing a little bit. Um, I've seen them change and, a lot in my lifetime. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, MDC, I love our conservation department. I think they're a model for every other conservation department in the country. But they have uh, they have the daunting task of managing to the masses. Right. So I think the only way to actually get true, you know, effective change or education is just by taking up the mantle and and telling people about it. I think I think so too. You're exactly right. Yeah, and I, I admire conservation department to the hilt but you're you're exactly right uh, if we if we want uh, this grand smallmouth fishing to uh, continue man we have to make the sacrifice you know we can catch plenty of other fish to, to eat and the only way i'd ever eat a smallmouth is if i killed it and i've had that happen a time or two you know and, uh, well, it happens. You, you you put a hook in enough fish's face, and bad things are going to happen sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there's not much you that, can do about it. But right, boy, the you try part to of time it. it doesn't, you know. And we have the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, photograph that fish. I I love to photograph those nice fish, and then boy, it's such a thrill though just to watch them watch them swim off. Uh, and you know that somebody's going to have that thrill that you just had uh, catching a nice smallmouth. Man, that's just a good feeling in itself. And but. See, that's a, yeah, I grew up down in Missouri, Boot Hill. My dad was quite a fisherman, you know. We were literally so poor that uh, we ate a lot of fish and game. Now, there wasn't any deer and turkey back then. We lived, uh, ate a lot of rabbits and squirrels. And, uh, of course, we had a bayou that ran right through our farm, come out of Mississippi River, and we ate everything from uh, carp and catfish and buffalo and but a lot of good crappie and largemouth bass and monster bluegill as well. But these smallmouth bass, man, it's a different story. Uh, all together, it's just uh, they're just an intriguing, beautiful fish that have provided me decades of outdoor adventures, you know. And Ryan, I don't know if you know it or not, but my motto to living the dream uh, outdoors—that's kind of my Facebook page—is, uh, and you probably agree with this: uh, uh, adventure may hurt you, but boredom will kill you. <laughs> Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent right. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. I think before, Bill, and, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more. We're uh, we're you know we're we're trying to figure out what we're going to do the next or you know the past three or four days. We haven't really been bored. We've had frozen water like everybody else. So when you live in a 
123-year-old house and you've got a well, you're going to have things freeze every now and then. But oh, I'm uh, I'm out at the end of the week for a couple of days on this warm warm weather, and we're going to bring out the bring out the long rods and see if we can't find uh, find a couple of fish on the fly rod toward the end of the week, which would be nice. There you go. Well, Ryan, in the last few minutes of program here, I want to redirect you just a little bit and look following you all all these years and seeing the things that you're you're doing. I, I notice. Uh, Hey, in the best time of the year, you know, uh, when you can sling those flies, it, you guys fish a lot of big streamers and even kind of some saltwater-looking flies to me. Uh, and I noticed one that really caught my eye was a copper shuttlecock. Uh, tell us a little bit about those big flies and why and how you fish them. Well, so most of the flies that we fish um, – so my, my stance on, on this, Bill, is this, is I, I would rather hunt a fish down and catch him on his own terms than dredge him up. So I spend a lot of time teaching people how to fish those big swim flies. And a swim fly is just a an unweighted fly that you've got to fish either on a light sink tip or, you know, similarly to that. And uh, they're, they're mostly bait fish patterns. Um, you know, some of the bigger flies that we fish are upwards of eight inches long, but those smallmouth are, I mean, we've had eight inch fish hit eight inch streamers. They are, <laughs> they are not scared of them at all. And, um, just having the ability to match wits with that fish and, you know, you know how clear some of our water can get sometimes oh getting those fish to come up and eat a, and eat a fly that you've tied to imitate their forage, you know, which is obviously, you know, I mean, slicks and, and horny head chubs and right. stone rollers and, and uh, bleeding shiners and Ozarks minnows and top minnows and stuff like that. I mean, there's so much forage out there for them to mimic when you can do that. Um, I think it's the best way to catch them. And that copper shuttlecock you mentioned, so the, the, the shuttlecock is a Springfield, just like Cashew Chicken, it's a Springfield original. Uh-huh. And it was, uh, it was developed uh, by a gentleman named Jim Stouffer. And uh, it was done in one of the fly shops that was in Springfield. And I don't remember which one it was at the time. It was either backcountry or um, it's not the one that's there now. But uh, that's just a version of the white shuttlecock. And if you've ever played badminton, you know what a shuttlecock is. It's, a little it's been a long time. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they call some people call them birdies. And uh-huh. uh, um, it's just a... You, you and I talk talked a little bit about jerkbait fishing, and that fly and a couple other patterns are the absolute best way to mimic a jerkbait on a fly rod because you can they, – they, they do some of the things that I feel like trigger fish on a fly rod. They, they have good motion when they're not being moved. They pause really well. They kick when they're paused. So, in other words, when you stop that fly, it turns. And uh, they 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 uh, they hover. They will hold altitude in the water just like a jerkbait will. And, and uh, I don't know that there is any better way to mimic a jerkbait than with either you know a big shuttlecock like that, or or a double deceiver, or you know a yard sale, or one of the big swim flies that we fish. And, and uh, to me. What that fly does when it's not moving is as or more important than what it's doing when you're moving it. I tell and you so. You... It, it, I have fished 
you know, a few big streamers, but uh, that's something uh, that, that that's kind of new to me. That's something I've got to investigate and maybe get a little bit more involved in. Why don't you just come down and we'll just go do it? Hey, that that sounds like a perfect solution to me, and, <laughs> and I'll, I'll make arrangements to cook for you on a gravel bar as well. So I won't say no to that. So. Hey, I wouldn't. I don't advise it, but I'm going to warn you ahead of time. I do have a secret ingredient, you know, and uh, it's been jerked out of me a few times, and I'll, I'll let you and your listeners know that uh, you know how it is when you cook outside, boy. Uh, things can get a little gritty at times, so I just take care of it. Ahead of time, my secret ingredient is a pinch of sand. <laughs> well, it's going to end up there anyway, Bill, so you might as well just do it. That's There's for no sure. doubt. Well, right, man. There, it, it wouldn't, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it wouldn't be a camp. It wouldn't be a, a gravel bar camp without some sand. Yeah, exactly. That sand shows up in some weird places, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Ryan, man, it has been an absolute delight to have you on the program. This is first time, but I've had you on the podcast, and I don't want you to be a stranger, man, because I know you're uh, you're into it. You're out there. And uh, but, Ryan, I want you to take just a minute or two here and tell people again how they can get in touch with you to uh, schedule a little trip. And folks, I tell you, don't tarry. You know, it may be cold and wintry outside, but uh, hey, the great days are coming. And if you want to get on this guy's list, you better get on the stick. So tell them how to get a hold of you. Yeah, thanks, Bill. So my my cell phone number is 417-366-3617. And I'm always, I'll always pick up the phone. I'm, I'm an old guy. So (laughs) phone calls are, phone calls are, are, are sometimes preferred. Um, if you want to go to the website and see, you know, what we do and maybe look at some dates on the, the bookings, um, it's osaguidesoutfitters.com, osaguidesoutfitters.com. And then all my socials are, you know, OSA or Ozark Smallmouth Alliance and OSA Flyco. Those are, you can, if you Google any of those, you'll usually find me right at the top of the list. One last question. Now, you talked about all those big, wonderful flies that you throw and catch monster smallmouth on. Uh, Do you tie those commercially? I do, and I'm actually getting ready to put up some collections on the website uh, right after the first of the year. So, you know, if you go to the website at osaguidesoutfitters.com and hit the shop button, um, here in about a week you'll see fly collections. I'm not going to do individual flies, Bill. I'm going to do – streamer collections with a box okay. and uh, well, i'm gonna, be happy to i'm gonna put out a warning folks you better beat me there <laughs> <laughs> uh, well yeah you may have to hire some help before it's over man <laughs> yeah well that's that's the goal uh, all righty we'll see if we can help with that ryan man thanks again and folks uh ryan walker and myself bill cooper here We are living our outdoor dreams. We encourage you to get outdoors and live your outdoor dreams as well. Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. 
All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bowfishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Big Ed's Guide Service, Bean Creek Game Calls, Misty Mountain Guide Service, ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker, On the Hook TV, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.